Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, Questers. Demonic Possession. Um clergy just a nice spiritual conversation is what we're in store for today so I just want you to kick back and relax today I speak with Pastor Bill Scott he pastors the Jackson Community Church in Jackson Kentucky so uh, just met this young man over the internet um, and it was a case of mistaken identity that kind of brought us together. And uh, we'll talk about that a little later on. But uh, kick back and relax and enjoy this great man of God as he shares with us. Pastor Bill Scott. So I'm Roy Washington. This is The Quest. And we got you locked in. So we're going to kick 107 off with Fred Hammond. Talking about no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Quest 107, y'all. Hallelujah! Come on, let's celebrate him! Celebrate Jesus! Hallelujah! Bless him! The enemy would have us to believe that we are held prisoners of sin, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's how we'll proclaim that there is therefore no condemnation them that are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. So if you're free, come on and sing!
I'm speaking with uh, Pastor Bill Scott, right? Uh, you stay in uh, Jackson, Kentucky? Yes, sir. Down Jackson, Kentucky, in the heart of eastern Kentucky. Okay, how far is that from Fort Knox? Oh, Fort Knox. Is, isn't there a couple, um, isn't there a couple of military bases in Kentucky? I know Fort Knox is. I thought it was with one more. Oh, okay. I know, I know it's a military, it's a military uh, base. It's, uh, but yeah, Fort Knox, we're probably about a couple hours from Fort Knox. Most people know where Lexington is, and they know about right. Kentucky. Um, we're about an hour south of Lexington, something like that. So, oh, okay. You had pastor of Jackson Community Church, uh, and you was a youth minister at, at the Happy Church before, right? Yeah, I was a youth minister, um, youth minister at the Happy Church, started youth ministry in the Jackson Christian Church. Okay. Uh, when I first got gotten saved and came back home. And, uh, and yeah, I was a youth minister at the uh, Happy Church until um, I was called to plant a church in Jackson. Okay. And so here we are. We've been open about three years this month. Okay. Congratulations on that. And uh, you, you still study at uh, Kentucky Mountain Bible College? Yeah, yeah, I'm working on uh, working on my bachelor's degree there. Okay. Uh, great little college. Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're lo- it's located about ten minutes from me, and uh, yeah, it's great. It's kind of like a little little um, gold mine here in the hills of theological education. Nobody really, you know, it's not. Uh, Got a big name out there in the world, but yes, uh, www.kmbc.edu. If anybody out there want to check it out and get a solid biblical foundation, you know, it's a great, great place. It's very, very affordable school, too. Yeah, we're very blessed to go there. Okay, um, so were you born and raised in Kentucky, or were, are you a native there? Yeah, I was I was born in Hazard, Kentucky, and then my family moved to Jackson when I was about six months old. Yeah, and I pretty much lived in Kentucky, uh, Eastern Kentucky, my whole my whole life. Um, you know, but I've got out of here. I've seen the world too. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I'm I'm in the, the 
child was raised here, and uh, yeah, I uh, went to college for a while in Moorhead, Kentucky, which is about you know about an hour north of where I'm at now. But yeah, Eastern Kentucky's been my home for the duration of my life. You know. Okay, you a basketball fan? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't really have a lot of time to do sports. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, being a student, being, yeah. being married, being full-time ministry, you know, you're ready to jump into some mission work overseas and stuff. I just, I just don't have time to. <laughs> but, man, uh, you know, UK, University of Kentucky, surely got a, uh, they're surely legendary in the basketball world down here. It's almost... It almost weird if you don't watch basketball from <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Louisville wasn't Louisville wasn't a slouch either. Yeah, yeah, Louisville's, Louisville's up there too. They're not, you know, they're no, uh, they're nothing to laugh at, man. They've they've had a they've had a good program, and I haven't hiccup right now. But that's you know, <laughs> yeah, no, I just uh, yeah, there's. I just look at it like, man, there's, there's some more important things going on in life than get lost in sports. That's where I'm at with it. Why do you? A lot going on. Yeah, you, uh, you mentioned Africa. Uh, you you uh, plan on going there uh, pretty soon? Yeah, next March I have a, we have a trip planned uh, to Africa and Uganda and possibly Kenya. Okay. I'm not, uh, I'm not 100% sure on the Kenyan uh, part of the the trip, but I am 100% sure on the Ugandan part of the trip, we're just finalizing some things with the uh, pastor over there this evening, actually. So, yeah, we'll be going there next March. Oh, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, going over there to do the work of the, God, of, Lord, of the Lord, you know, um, and coming up, what type of, uh, what type of child were you, what type of childhood did you have? Uh, my childhood, it wasn't exactly a, uh, I was raised in church right. um, at all. Um, I went to church a little bit with my grandmother. Um, you know, I was uh, raised in a, you know, in a, in a just her family homestead down here. Um, you know, and just uh, I went to church from time to time, but didn't really wasn't really emphasized in our family a lot growing up, and. Uh, you know, I, I can't say that I had a bad childhood. I had parents that loved me okay. and uh, really cared about me. And, um, you know, I started uh, whenever I got into high school and things, I started uh, dabbling in drugs and alcohol, which led me astray quite a bit. And ended up being an alcoholic and then a drug addict and a drug dealer. And then I got arrested in, uh, in Moorhead there. Okay. And, uh, that's where I got saved, was actually in jail. Hmm. There, and, uh, and uh, yeah, and the, and the Lord saw fit to release me in jail the next day, and I ended up down here in uh, Jackson. Okay. Um, on house arrest. And that's when the Lord first spoke to me. And- Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I would go to church. Um, I could walk to. So I walked down the foot of the hill of my house and talked to the pastor about my testimony. And, and without him... Without me telling him that the Lord told me to go to the church I could walk to, the way he answered me after I was done telling my testimony, he said, uh, you may have walked yourself into a ministry here, son. Yeah. We've been waiting on somebody on that come out of the drug world to minister to people, wow. uh, families and stuff in our church on drugs. So right. you know, I've been in ministry ever since. So yeah, that's kind of my life story in short. Yes. Um, it's amazing sometimes, you know, just how how uh, you know you think you're gonna go one way, but uh, God has it has it you know worked out that you know you may go a different path, you know, you may you and uh, just to you know fulfill what He has for you, you know, His destiny has for you, you know. Right? Yeah. 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 That's, uh, <laughs> yeah I've heard that little saying right. that uh, you know, you uh, tell God what you your goals and your dreams, what you want to do, and you know, sometimes He, he laugh at that, you know, because uh. You know he's got he's he's got something else for you. You know sometimes you know and uh, so I'm I'm glad that uh you uh you know found found Christ and you're doing big things down there. Yeah, Jesus is man. I couldn't believe it. See, like before I got saved, I was an atheist. So I mean, I really had you know I was trying to be spiritual at that time. I was trying to I I'd come out of atheism trying to figure out you know there is a God out there, but I was unwilling to being that that God could have been Jesus Christ and you know whenever whenever I got saved that night in jail of course a lot of people in jailhouse religion in jail but man I was so genuine I just I walked out of that place such a new creation and I knew it like I took the Bible back to my cell and I'm sitting there reading I read the first 26 chapters of Genesis where I finally nosed off I mean I was just I could not get enough of God's word and I was uh, actually spent my last phone card in jail just to call my parents and give them my testimony and said, man, I may be in jail right now, mom, dad, but everything's okay mm-hmm. uh, because I got saved tonight. Right. <laughs> and they were encouraging, you know, they were, even though we didn't go to church as a family or anything, they were still like, well, that's good, Bill, I'm glad you, you know, glad you found something that might help you. But I was like, oh, no, you don't understand, my life's brand new. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, like this is really happening. So, but, you know, 
Raider season has been up and he was in the world, but he was came to conquer, man. He ain't playing games. <laughs> he came to conquer, but it's it very, I get enthusiastic about it, that's for sure. What the, uh, you know, you said something kind of interesting, because, you know, I, I had a conversation with the Wiccan uh, about, uh, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and she grew up Catholic and, ha- and has changed her views, and she, now she's a Wiccan, she's atheist, uh, don't believe in God or the devil. Uh, but um, what what made you, uh, what made you become an atheist at that time? What, what, what were some of the things that you were questioning about you know God and that, that that turned you that way. Well, my well, as the Bible teaches in Romans chapter one, mm-hmm. um, and in Hebrews as well, um, you know the first of Romans chapter one. The, the basic summary of Romans chapter one is: as we continue to sin, it actually suppresses our belief in God in our heart. Mm. Um, most kids, if you ask them, there's barely a kid out there, if you ask them at four or five, six years old, you, you believe in God? I mean, most most kids would say, unless they've been taught otherwise, would say, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, why wouldn't I? Right. Um, but then when you get to that 16, 17, 18, you start questioning things, you start being indoctrinated by the public school system, you start being, you know, being fed, because, man, Really, we're fed this like constantly, subliminally, all over the place. You know, it, you know, it's, uh, every time you watch something on Discovery Channel or something about science, there's always something in there. If you watch for it, people, and well, I wouldn't say always, but generally, there's something that will try to that is different from what the Bible teaches. Right. And um, you know, our culture, the American culture, uh, really does play a big role through the God of this world, Satan, um, to suppress our belief in God. I mean, I think that was a big part of it. Uh, another big part of it was I was uh, very heavily involved in, in uh, politics and things like that, and the particular party I was involved with, um, I, a lot of my friends were atheists, and uh, I had a very best friend that was an atheist, and, and uh, you know, that worldview just sounded good at the time because it doesn't allow any accountability. You can basically live any way that you want to. There's no moral standard to it. You're just kind of living by your own rules. And uh, so that's what was attractive to me. It's just like, you know, why bring a God into your picture? I'm having a good time. Or at least I thought I was. Mm. You know, but looking back at it, I was destroying my life. I was my own worst enemy. Right. You know, I was becoming an alcoholic. But I couldn't see that at the time. I was blinded to it. You know, I was becoming a drug addict. I was becoming a womanizer, you know, I was becoming everything that I hate and didn't even realize it. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was, uh, so yeah, it's, the devil's slick, man. He was slick. Real slick. So just, of confusion, but as far as like the Hebrews verses would, would point to, you know, they equate sin with unbelief. So as long as you're continuing to sin, then, you know, you're basically saying, I, I don't believe, uh, I don't believe God uh, really is saying, I don't think he means what he says. And I'm just going to just do whatever I want, no matter what God has to say about it. So, you know, eventually, the Lord's lenient grace, you know, is just repelled to the point where he's not drawing me anymore, the truth. So, and I think that's 
I've been a little longer answering it and looking for it. That's what I've grown to with a little bit of wisdom down the road looking back at it. You know, okay. Back in those days, I was having a good time. <laughs> <You know. laughs> you know, uh, Lord works in mysterious ways. You know, uh, we was laughing about this uh, last night. Uh, again, Questers, um, I'm speaking with uh, uh, Pastor Bill Scott of uh, Jackson Community Church down in Jackson, Kentucky. Uh, we got you locked into the quest. Um, it's just, it's just amazing how things happen sometimes. Uh, a couple years ago, I heard, uh, I was listening to Bill Schrader on Darkness Radio, and uh, he had a, a Bill Scott on there who, who's a, a preacher himself. And was giving his testimony. Of, uh, he has a book out called "The Day Satan Called," and was giving a testimony of, about uh, trying to help a young a young lady who was uh, demon possessed. And uh, they actually had the, you know had the young lady at the house and everything, and just all the things that went on. And it was an eight month, just crazy period. And that's before he was really strong in Christ. He just worked at a, a, a Christian radio station, but they they was trying to help this young lady uh, who was who was possessed. And uh, so I, I sent you a message last year, thinking that you were the Bill Scott, <laughs> and, and and it turned out that you know you know you're 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 a different Bill Scott, but uh, still a connection was made. So it's just it's just crazy how 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 that goes, how sometimes life goes. So you know, I'm glad glad to have uh, uh, made your acquaintance. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, and actually he was talking about uh, dealing you know, with, with uh, demonic type things. Uh, have you ever uh, had a situation where you were uh, dealing with someone who was uh, demonically possessed or something like that? Yeah, you know, whenever I got into uh, my faith, and, um, you know, I was radically delivered from drug addiction, radically delivered from... Uh, Looking back at it, probably some demonic oppression. Uh, of course, when you're under demonic oppression, you're so confused um, as to whether or not it is truly oppression or the same nature or what. It, it was, um, but I, I started reading my Bible and I was like, man, I, when I read my Bible, I see Jesus and his ministry, especially in the, in the Gospel of Mark. It's hard to it's hard to go about every other chapter in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is casting demons out of people. I mean, it is just prominent in that, that gospel, especially in Jesus' ministry and the ministry of the Acts and the Apostles. In the apostolic ministry, they were casting out demons, you know. Uh, it's just talked about so heavenly in the New Testament. And so looking around at the church, I was always asking these questions, especially after this experience. I, I'll, I'll share the first experience I've had with demonic uh Entity, it's probably um, happened six or seven times since then. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I look around and say, why? Why is the church not embracing this more? Like, why? Why aren't we talking about this more? Why isn't there more? Uh, you know, why? Why aren't the church services like? Why do we feel like we have to be out here at a certain time? Why do we feel like that we have, we can't preach for? more than 20 minutes or 30 minutes of the United States of America. It's ridiculous, man. You look at the worldwide church. Like, they're living in the book of Acts right now. 
like in China, it's not uncommon for a church service to go five, six, eight hours long, sometimes 12 hours long. You know, in, in, in Africa, like this from the pastors I've been talking to this last week planning this trip, they're like planning for at least a three hour church service. <laughs> wow. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, like, we've got to choose another church. And I think part of the American culture is that we've got away from uh, the reality is that scripture is true. At least in American church culture, like scripture has to determine our reality. Uh-huh. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And reality of it is, that was part of the ministry of the early church was casting out demons. That's just part of what they did. It wasn't all they did, and uh, that can be a huge hang-up if that's what somebody feels like they're just called to go and do this, and that's it. Okay. So it's not all they did, that was part of what they did. So to make a long story short, um, first time I ever was, was encountered something like that, I was about a six-month-old Christian. And I come to church, you know, early. At this point, I was, they uh, had made me the youth minister at this particular church. And uh, I showed up early, about a half hour or so before church had started. And there's a 13-year-old boy um, sitting out on the front steps of the church, terrified in his pajamas. And I knew this kid. He was not a wimpy kid. You know, this was a... This was a kid that normally nothing would scare him, you know. And he wasn't even an attender in their church. He was our neighbor. Okay. And uh, he, he just showed up there. And he had pajama pants on and a white T-shirt. And just the look of fear that I just, you know, it just was like, what's going on with this boy? And uh, so we bring him inside. And I was, you know, getting the sanctuary set up and ready and uh, for church and and we were all glad he was there. And so one of our ladies starts talking to him, and he still demeaned about what was going on with him. And, and she brought him over to me, and, and I talked to him. And, uh, and I said, uh, and, I'll just, and I'll just use the name, uh, um, I'll just use the name Roy, okay? Okay. <laughs> so, you know, that's about, so I'll, I'll use your name, Roy. Just fill in the blank, because I don't want to, you know. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, thing. So... So I, I talked to this, this guy, and he was like, uh, he was like, uh, I saw the devil last night. Mm. I said, Roy, you saw the devil last night? He said, yeah, I saw Satan himself. I had to. And he was, he was like, man, I'm scared. I'm scared. And then, and like you could tell, he, this wasn't something he was making up. Like, this kid, this is totally legitimate to him. I mean, either he'd seen something in his mind or he saw something legitimate. 
surreal. It was me and you talking, you know, and then he started looking up in our sanctuary and he goes, oh no, it's following me. They follow me. They're here. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's looking around and like jerking his head around. He's following something. I couldn't see it, but he could see it. And so I took him down there to one of the elders of the church in front of the sanctuary and we started praying for him. And just as soon as we started praying for the kid, like I could feel his skin temperature grow um, immensely. I mean, I mean, I, I can't, you know how like somebody who just ran a marathon and you put your hand on them and like you can feel their temperature just is so much hotter than it should be. Yes. It was like his blood pressure was just rising. And he got, I mean, like noticeably hotter as we kept praying. And then he just fell to the floor and, and he just lost control of himself. It was almost like he had a seizure or something. And then after we got done praying, I felt good about everything we prayed. Um, as I was winding up the prayer, so to say, and he kind of came out of that. And then he sat down in his pew. And I sat back, you know, at that time I was running the, uh, the soundboard and the, the computer and all that stuff. So I'm sitting behind everybody. So I kept my eye on and do the service. And from time to time, he would, he's just sitting by himself. He wasn't trying to draw attention to himself or anything. He'd just look up at the ceiling and start following those things around, whatever he was singing, you know, some sort of spiritual thing. Okay. You know, some sort of demonic spirit, I'm assuming. Well, he went home, and I talked to the pastor about it. And, uh, you know, the pastor said uh, he didn't know what to make of that. He'd never seen anything like that before. Okay. And I said, well, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what to make of it either. It was, I mean, I, and the, me and him both agreed. It was like, why would this kid just make all this up and then do that? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So, um, later that afternoon, the, pa- the pastor at that time lived about a half hour away from us. And, uh, you know, he went out of his way. He just felt led of the Lord to come and pick me up and go to this boy's house and do a home visit and check on him. And so I was like, well, let's, let's go do that. And uh, so this is where it got really weird. Um, I'll never forget going in that house. Um, whether they noticed this or not, I'm not sure. Um, but it was, as if, it was as if we weren't there to most of the family, you know, or to all the family. Because as we entered into the house, it was like nobody recognized us. Nobody realized we walked back in front of people watching TV. And they didn't, they didn't respond to us being there at all. It's like, so here's this 13 year old kid walking two grown men up to an upstairs bedroom. And like, it was like nobody even saw us. And we're talking about a house that had like three adults in it and five kids, most of them under eight or nine years old. And it was like, nobody said, hey, who are you guys? Or what are you, you know, what are y'all doing? Are y'all going? Or, or, you know, this is so strange. Wow. And, uh, it was just a weird, eerie feeling in this house. Um, so, as we made our way upstairs and, and into his bedroom, he was sitting on a weight bench, and the pastor and I were sitting on um, his bed at that time. And uh, he, uh, and he was so normal at this point, really. He was so normal. Like, we were like, okay, well, what's going on? Like, what happened last night? And he said, well, I just want to tell you guys I feel better after I went to church this morning. It was just really, that helped me, I think. I think it really helped me. He said, 
but this is what happened last night. He said, right there in the doorway, I saw this large, dark figure. He said, the best I can describe it is it, it was an outline of something. It didn't have any feet, but it was like it was wearing a, one of those cowboy dusters jackets, you know, like one of those uh, trench coat kind of deal. And he said it had like a wide-brimmed hat uh, on its head, you know, like a shallow top to the hat, you know, kind of like an old gunslinger, like a western gunslinger look. Okay. And, uh, and I'll come back to that in a minute, because that, that's kind of an interesting thing to it. Like I said, I don't understand this stuff. Why would something, why would a demon look like a gunslinger? I don't know. Right. I can't explain that. It don't make any sense to me that's how you describe it. And so, as he kept talking about this stuff, talking about this stuff, he, um, he, um, he, he described that, and then he described what it felt like. He said, it's fears to know me. And, you know, he was trying to give us some details about it. I wish I had it journaled, you know. Looking back, I, I wish I had journaled these things so I could just open it up and say, it's exactly what he said, but I can't do that. Uh, but then I'll never forget this. We're sitting there on the edge of the bed, and then all of a sudden, he, he looks at me, and he goes, Bill, it's right behind you. And the Lord just kind of took over at that point, the best I can explain it. I mean, I know that's what happened, because I started quoting things, and I started having knowledge about things that I had no, I mean, I was a six-month-old Christian, and the Lord really protected me, I think. Right. I mean, I, I, mean, I know that. It's all I think I know. So, I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, and he goes, Bill. It's right behind me. And I go, yeah, and it will stay behind me because I'm a child of God. Right. And a child, you know. And I said, ain't going to touch me. <laughs> you know, I mm. just, and I just had this bravery, this Holy Spirit bravery just come over me. And I was, I just able to not have any fear in the presence of pure fear, you know, pure evil. And then, and almost as soon as I said that, everything changed hmm. and that thing took him over and then that boy lunged toward that pastor and I didn't I don't know if this happened before or after by the time we the pastor caught the boy by the forehead and held him by his chest I believe what, I, what was going on this was seven years ago so the boy starts pressing against the pastor where the pastor's forehead was touching the back of his hand yes and then front of the pastor's hand, the, the palm of his hand, and it was on the boy's forehead. And the boy had this superhuman strength just pushing against this pastor. And, uh, you know, and I was like, okay, like, <laughs> uh, what do I do here? And mm. the Lord had reminded me of something I read in Mark 16. Um, so I'll turn it here in my Bible that way and just quote it word for word. It's pretty, uh, Pretty, uh, pretty well-known verse. Uh, most most Christian people, um, but I, I always like to make sure that I get every word in there. Uh, but it says in chapter sixteen of Mark, verse seventeen. This is what I opened to and started reading out loud. It said, and "These things will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it by no means hurt them." They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I put my hand on his shoulder and I just started praying that scripture out loud over and over and over again. Mm. Just constantly. Just praying out to God. I didn't know what else to do. And while this was all going on, I'll never forget how the boy's eyes, his pupils, had just totally dilated. 
and he could see very little clots on the corner of his eyes, and his eyes were completely black. Wow. And, and the guy, uh, the pastor I was with looked at him, and for, I don't know why the pastor of this guy asked this question, but he asked the question to him, he said, where is Roy? Hmm. And the, the little boy replied, Roy is not here. Ooh. And I, I, can't, I can't replicate the voice that right. the boy used. But it, it was really deep, really raspy. Mm. And, it didn't, and it didn't sound like multiple voices. Mm. It was just one authoritative, pure evil voice saying, Roy is not here. Mm. Over and over and over again, that was the dialogue. <laughs> and so there was a point where I was praying for God's help, and I felt a release just take place in that room. Mm. I mean, it was just like spirit of God came and there's just a release and then all of a sudden that boy he looks at the pastor looks at me obviously bewildered and confused and he goes what happened why are we all standing up mm. <laughs> I'm like me and the pastor are looking at each other and this, and this was like Did this really just take place and we sat back down on the bed and he sat back down on the light bench and the pastor started asking like it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You didn't. Um remember anything that just took place and said no wow I'll tell you what though I, I feel amazing I said I feel absolutely amazing right now that's right he said, you know, thank you guys for coming cause like like before you guys came I was so fearful and so weary but you know I just don't feel that way anymore I just feel really good I, mean, I guess we're I don't, and then Pastor explained what happened to him and he was like wow really really you know <laughs> And the pastor was going to tell you what, brother. Here's your Bible. I handed him a Bible and said, I want you to read the book of Matthew. Well, you don't have to die. He said, said, we'll just keep praying for you. Keep in touch, man. And so he said a prayer and we left. Um, I I followed up with that kid about three or four weeks later. And uh, he'd never seen that entity in his house again. He was um, acknowledging that there were... uh, but there's definitely something there that is not there anymore. So that thing's not bothering me. I haven't seen it since. Um, yeah, and uh, and then I followed up with him again about, that's probably about five years after that. Uh-huh. About two, well, it's been about three and a half years ago now, I guess, the last time I talked to a kid. And, uh, you know, he was he was going into adulthood at that point he was still totally acknowledging all that he's like he's not a Christian I mean he just never did really repent of his sin but he acknowledged that um, that really took place and he's, he believes in God but he doesn't really you know he doesn't follow Jesus he's not an authentic Christian but that's made him you know, a believer that there's good and evil out there and the, the Bible religion is the real one <laughs> the rest of his life Yes. Um, but that was the first encounter 
that was the first encounter that I had. Um, was that one? Uh, that one? That was you know, like I said, when you when you see something like that six months into your walk with Jesus, and one month into your ministry, I'm telling you, that, that really makes you a believer that there's a spiritual reality out there that people are not facing. Yeah, you and know, the church is kind of ignoring. You know, you know what, Bill. You know what, Bill, I, I remember um, when I was a kid, I, I I didn't even see this possession, but I heard it. You know, one of my friends, uh, he and his mom, you know, they used to go to church and they used to, you remember the old time uh, tape recorders, the, the square ones with the little, you know, the, the little record button and the play, rewind, and remember oh, those? yeah. Yeah, so. He, yeah, his, his mother. His mother used to take that, uh, you know, take take one of those recorders to church and you know record the service, and then uh, I guess when she come home uh, cooking Sunday dinner, she replay the service and you know just stay in the spirit, you know, while she's cooking and everything in the kitchen. Well, yeah, yeah, Well, one day, one service they caught, and then uh, he let me hear the tape, and it was crazy. I mean, and, and I still remember it vividly today. You know, just so you could, you could hear. You know, the church, you know, they was, everybody was singing and, you know, the church was all, everybody was singing and stuff in the church. And then all of a sudden you hear this voice like, <laughs> you know, it was really, really deep. And uh, and I guess the, for, for what he said, it was a woman and her, and her, her physical features had changed. You know, so you hear people, you hear half the people screaming and probably running out. But then you hear a lot of people in the pastor at the uh, pulpit starting to pray. So I guess they you know they prayed for that woman and cast this, that spirit out of her. But just hearing the chaos and then hear the it kept laughing, <laughs> you know, and it was it was a crazy. I would never forget that recording, and um, you know, so yeah, well, I, I I know when you talk about you know the spiritual thing we have here, though, you know, um, I I can I can attest to that. And like I said, I wasn't even there, but I could just feel the evil through that recording and everything. It was a crazy. It was very crazy. Paranoid schizophrenic. I don't doubt that at all. But there's also a chance that they could be possessed. 
you know, there's a chance, there's a, there's a chance there. Hearing voices, causing them to harm yourself, and then Satan's come to steal, kill, and destroy. I mean, at some point you have to say, you know, but see, if you say that as a Christian now, it's like, oh, you're one of those crazy Bible-thumping Christians. Like, well, call me what you want, but I mean, this is what the Bible said. I mean, this is exactly what's, what's going on with, with a lot of people. Yeah, I think they're being neglected. <laughs> you know, that part of the ministry is being neglected. So, yeah, it's, it's out there. Yeah, so we're, we're about to go and uh, take a quick break. Uh, questions, I'm speaking with uh, Pastor Bill Scott of Jackson Community Church in Jackson, Kentucky. And uh, when we come back, I want to I start to segue off. Uh, I have another encounter I want to tell you about because we were, we were just speaking about... Uh, you know, paranormal stuff and uh, in, in demonic possession. And a lot of times when I hear accounts when people are talking about that, it seems like as if a lot of clergy uh, kind of don't want to deal with it, you know, don't want to deal with that. And a lot of people that's uh, members of churches, when they have activity going on in their home or something going on with them, uh, the leaders of their church seem like they don't really want to get involved with that. And leaving those people kind of out in the cold to speak, so to speak. Uh, so I want to, uh, I want to touch on that a little bit when we come back. This is Roy Washington. Uh, you're locked into the quest. The Pastor Bill Scott. Anointed and appointed for this hour, Donald Taylor, and the Los Angeles Mass Choir. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise for them tonight. God bless you.
Back Questers. Uh, this is Roy Washington speaking with Pastor Bill Scott. He uh, pastors. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jackson Community Church in uh, Jackson, Kentucky. And when we were... Uh, we just dismissed for a few minutes, uh, and we were just talking about uh, sometimes, you know, I always hear the stories of people dealing with things, uh, possession or spirits in their home, and the clergy, a lot of times, letting them down, not wanting to, wanting to deal with it. That's why I give so much, uh, give shots out to uh, uh, Archbishop James Cloud and that crew, what they do out there, and and, and this, uh, this gentleman right here, Bill Scott. You know, coming up uh, in the Baptist church, I was, I was, you know, as a kid, there was this one woman, and she's a, this woman, no one ever, uh, I've met one other lady that, that kind of gave me creeps like this, but she, she was a member of our church, but, you know, she, um, you'd see her maybe two or three Sundays in a row, then you wouldn't see her for maybe six months, then she'd come for one or two Sundays, and then you wouldn't see her for another three, four months, her, her attendance was like that, um, she looked, she looked very scary, uh, I, uh, I'd never seen a, uh, anyone with, uh, with, with, with skin that black, it, I mean, her skin was black, and her eyes was crazy, and she was sit on the, fr and whenever she came to church, she would sit on the front pew, and, you know, my dad was a, my dad was a trustee, you know, the deacons mostly sat on the front, you know, a couple pews, and, on the other side, you had the mothers on the front front pews, and my dad was a trustee, so he'd be maybe uh, three, four pews back, and I would sit with him, uh, and I'll kind of snuggle up against him. I was a little guy whenever she was there. It was and and during the service, it never failed. During the sermon, she would always jump up, and you know, you I mean, I'm sure you probably heard people speaking tongues, but I don't think this was tongues. This was something else. She was speaking, and it would just totally disrupt the service. And then finally, she maybe after a couple minutes, she'd sit down and be quiet the rest of the service. But it's very weird woman and very scary. If I seen her uh, on the street or on an alley, I, I take off running. She just scared me to death. One day, one day this woman came in, and uh, she, uh, I guess she had, that was her daughter. It looked to be probably about 15, 16, and you could tell that the daughter was special needs. You could tell she just by looking at her and they sat on that front pew and during the the uh the uh, sermon they began tongue kissing french kissing for about uh, for about a minute straight and you know you could see everyone just staring and uh you know uh looking back on it now I loved my pastor uh growing up but looking back on it I just never remember a time when when he Stopped and addressed that situation, you know, in Jesus' name. Um, Pastor Scott, when it comes to that type of thing, demonic possession, people having stuff going on in their home and everything, why do you think some some clergy are reluctant 
to, to uh, stand toe-to-toe in the name of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, and deal and help people and, and deal with that type of thing.
you know, um, just rocking her body back and forth and speaking in tongues. <laughs> this little old uh, piano player lady had got up and went and put her arm around her and knew the lady personally and was trying to talk to her and try to calm her down. And she was concerned. The people in our uh, church there that I was preaching at was concerned. Everybody was concerned. Okay. <laughs> Somebody's getting up to believe in <laughs> And so I was fair about it. I walked down off the platform and I stood in front of the lady and I opened up my Bible from the scriptures that I just preached out of. And I, and I looked around at the people in the church holding somebody accountable there that was supposed to be interpreting this lady. I mean, if there was an interpreter there, they were being held accountable. Yes. But I asked them point blank, I said, can anybody interpret these tongues? And finally, I think one of the elders' wives looked at me and just kind of shook her head, no, like, why are you even asking that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I very gently, I didn't get any anointing oil out. I didn't get any holy water. I okay. didn't ask, you don't need any of that stuff, really. I just looked at that lady in full faith, and very gently, just as I'm talking right now, I rebuke these things in the name of Jesus. Just very definitely, and I, I, I mean, I believe it when I said it. I mean, I was absolutely convinced these things were satanic. Mm. As soon as I said that, she just stopped. She just, I mean, she stopped and just about, and she was on her way forward anyway, so she almost fell. And she just stopped speaking in tongues, and she sat up and started looking around. Mm. And she said, why am I at the front of the church? <laughs> she didn't go out of her mouth. She just got completely, in a, you know, the devil put her in a trance. And okay. he was basically trying to, I was teaching very clearly what scripture said, and, I, and he was basically trying to say, oh, no, I'm not a medical man. And, and I was young in my faith at the time. But man, I was just sitting there, I was thinking like, what a victory, you know, how awesome, um, praise the Lord, this lady's freed from demonic oppression or whatever it was, you know, and mm. like, you know, it was really awesome. But, you know, um, the next day I received a phone call from the elder of that church. And he said, I heard what happened in the church last night. I was like, oh, brother, I wish you were there. And it was awesome, this guy. <laughs> and he kind of interrupted me and said, that's why I've not preached on spiritual gifts the entirety of my ministry. Mm. I've never felt that to preach on spiritual gifts because that brings the crazy out of people. Exactly what he said to me. Mm. And I was dumbfounded. I was like, a lady from your church just got delivered from demonic oppression or possession or whatever it was. And your biggest concern is I came to your church and preached on spiritual gifts and cast a demon on somebody. That's what upset him. And see, that's, I mean, I don't mean to sound angry, but that's the American church. We're afraid, like if God moves and if God upsets something, everybody gets angry. Right. Everybody gets mad. Everybody's like, what are you doing? We're supposed to be out here at 12 o'clock. We're going to beat the Baptist church down the Chinese restaurant. Why are you still praying over people? You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just their general attitude. So it's like, I think, uh, you know, which leads me to, you know, the one last point there. I think that, people are very comfortable with religion in the United States. Mm-hmm. I don't know that people are really comfortable with New Covenant Christianity. Mm-hmm. I think if that really showed up in most churches, most of the people, uh, and I do say most, I'm not trying to sound overly negative, but I, you know, I think it's pretty accurate that a good portion of our churches, if God really moved in our churches, a lot of people would, would try to say it's a devil moving. <laughs> they okay. don't know what that looks like, you know. And 
Yeah, I, I know we all. <laughs> you ever you ever used to listen to um, I know Baptist preachers do this a lot. You know when uh when they get deep in you know toward the you know, end of the they sermon when they start getting good to them they be like, <laughs> and then the Lord said, <laughs> you know, and they you ever heard of that that type of preacher? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. We we used to have a <laughs> we used to have a uh associate pastor and I. At our church that I grew up in, uh, and I mean, he never—I mean, he—he he always got us out of there quick. I mean, and, you know, when you're just talking about that. You know, the people don't don't have service long. He'd get up and be like, "I'm not gonna keep you long today," and everybody'd be like, "Yeah, we know." Yeah, I mean, and something and sometimes as soon as he say a couple words, all of a sudden he's into his, <laughs> and he he have us out of there. I mean, I'm, and I'm telling you, coming up maybe uh two or three times he slipped up and actually preached. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, that, and don't let it be, don't let it be football season. You know, we got to get out of there to see the Packers, you know, but, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that, that's, that, that's just something how, how you're talking about how we have, we have time, time limits on our, on our services and, and, and over, uh, you know, out of the, out of the United States, you know, they just, they, they just go and they go and they go because it's just all about praising, giving God the praise, you know. Somebody say one time, Roy. They say, "What's the biggest difference between the American church and the an overseas church, and why do their services last so much longer than theirs?" And I heard a missionary say one time, "Well, overseas people don't have anything else better to do than to praise the Lord." Mm. And I, I sat there and thought about that, and I was like, "Oh man, what mm. a, I mean, has a lot of truth to it." I mean, here as Americans, we're just so rushed and so just like oh, we gotta hurry and get out here you know I got soccer my kids gonna be in soccer practice at one you know and, yeah. uh, you know and, and man let's face it we're having a whole lot more potlucks than we are prayer meetings I mean how many churches you hear about <laughs> prayer meetings being going on you know going on so it's like at some point we have to say like when you read the book of Revelation you know chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation everybody who has any interest in Christianity especially if you're leading the church to sit there and start memorizing those two chapters. I mean, because Jesus addressed seven churches. Mm. Two of them, two of them passed. This is, you know, everybody knows what the Revelation is about. And uh, to make this short, there's seven churches there. Two of them were pleading in God's sight. Five of them were told by Jesus Himself they had better repent. Okay. Or bad things are going to happen. And, you know, and it was all, one of them was the Church of Ephesus in chapter 2. Where Ephesus, the Church of Ephesus, its condemnation was they were doing all the right things. It all looked good, but they'd left their first love. Hmm. They just basically had a form of godliness that was denying the power of God because they were so busy, you know. And that's a big, uh, you know, that's a big part of why we don't see a lot of power in the church today. I mean, we have a form of godliness Right. Lord denied its power. We're not willing to wait on the Lord. Okay. We're not willing to let him correct their service. We'd better go right by that bullet and you know and, and be sure that everything's in, intact and we get our special songs in and some somebody, you know, Deacon Bradshaw's got the got the community meditation for today and you know, and it's all <laughs> this other stuff. It's like you know, I, what happens if you just show up at a church one time and start praying and say, God, here we are. What do you want us to do? 
Right. And all of a sudden, somebody's got a song. You know, the pastor gets up and preaches their sermon, you know, that the Lord has laid on their heart. And, you know, the people move. And, I mean, the, most, the biggest breakthroughs I've ever seen, really, have taken place for, in our church where people were allowed to stay at the altar for like an hour to an hour and a half and pray. Okay. And, uh, and I've seen some amazing healings. People don't even ask for healing. I saw a boy one time, man, boy was praying for another guy to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And God's power came on that church in such a way. I mean, this is like after an hour and 45 minutes of the boy praying. There was like three of us helping him pray there. And God just fell on the church. I mean, it was just like this overwhelming sense of joy and this pure holiness and, and just beauty and all. And this boy that had been praying next to me over here uh, to my right, like his eyes were crossed, like he had two lazy eyes. One of them looked straight up and the other one looked straight down. And he was struggling through school, struggling to read, couldn't drive. And I looked over at the boy's eyes and they were straight as an arrow. Mm. I was like, I looked over at him. He's, I mean, he's my friend today. And Ben, I said, Ben, your eyes are straight. Wow. And Ben, you know, he was looking at his hands and he's like, looking down the altar and he's like, man, there is something different. And he like, he goes into the bathroom, looks at the mirror, and I can hear him squeal from the bathroom. And he's like, ah, you know, like, mm. But yeah, I mean, to me though, that's normal Christianity. That's what it should be. I mean, in the book of Acts, paralytics are getting healed, demons are being cast out, the gospel is being preached in power, people are getting saved, people are getting sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, People's hearts are being purified by faith, according to Acts 15. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> like, it was amazing. Okay. And so, I mean, I think all of this is probably related. I guess we're still answering that question, like, why is the clergy turning its, basically turning its back in the supernatural world? It's like, that's so sad, isn't it? Because Christianity is supposed to be a supernatural religion. Mm. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be supernatural. Right. Um, but now it's become just as natural as you know walking into a college classroom and hearing a lecture and throw a couple of songs in there and walk out it's basically like you know you shouldn't do that way but it is you know but then you got the other side of it where it gets so crazy and out of hand that nobody can take it serious with the, that you know really knows God and really understands he's a God of order too I mean, you can get so far out there that it's just like, you know, you can err on the side of the supernatural. Because remember, in Matthew chapter 7, there were people in the last days who were casting out demons, performing miracles, uh, prophesying in Jesus' name. Jesus said, apart from me, I never knew you. Right. So the supernatural is really no proof in the Christian faith either. The Christian faith in itself, like everything's going to point back to Jesus Christ and people are going to be delivered from sin. People are going to be delivered from their past life and their things that ended up with God. And they'll be whole new creations. Whether or not demons get cast out or not, or whether or not they get healed, one thing you know for sure, and I, and I think the greatest miracle, I already said this later one time, I love this quote by Leonard Ravenhill. He said that, he said, the greatest miracle in this world it's not healing, it's not demons, it's not any of this. He said, greatest miracle in this world is that God can make an unholy man out of an unholy world and can make him holy 
back into an unholy world, but you've been holy. Mm. That's the greatest miracle. Mm. It's a heart change, you know. Right. And that's what it's all about right there. You know? And that's that's the, the whole thing for me. Yeah, it is. You know, so miracles and signs and wonders they can come and go. But really it's like the true test of New Testament Christianity is are you changed? Are you walking like Jesus? You know. Right. Me being an atheist drug dealer seven years ago and then looking at me now, it's like you gotta be kidding me. Like oh, the world happened here and Jesus happened. It's supernatural. Right. And uh it's not about our good works. It's not about us being good boys and finding religion. It's about Jesus really changing us from the inside out. Is there, he has for me, man. So is there a change in your heart on the inside? You what now? So basically saying, is there a change in your heart? Is there a change on the inside? Not just cleaning the outer cup, but uh, is the inside is, is the inside pure as well? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's true. A lot of people sitting in church pews, man, they clean the outer cut. They fill the inner cut. You know what I mean? That's, and that's, you know, it's, I mean, it's a sad state. I mean, I, you know, it just is. And, uh, you know, it's like I tell people in our church all the time, it's, you know, the biggest creators of atheism, and I can say that with the four that used to be one, one of the biggest creators of atheism in this world is hypocritical Christian. Mm. So, you know, we need to, uh, if people are going to say something about us, let it be a lie. Live a lie for the soul above board. When people say something about you, mm-hmm. then it's a lie. Christians ought to just own that. They ought to say, you know what, we have messed up in this area. You know, we ought to seek restitution and, and things. And see a lot of people, um, see a lot of people delivered, man. If, if the church would wake up and see revival. I mean, I don't mean to sound critical. I mean, I'm saying it with a broken heart. You know, I'm saying it with a non-judgmental heart. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm, I'm just saying, like, at some point, we just have to be honest. Mm-hmm. Say, this is where we're falling short. Now, Lord, please come and fix it. And He will. He will be on any show about. He'll do it. He'll bring revival to your church, your area, United States of America, but it takes us being honest first and saying, you know what, when we look at Christianity, it don't look like Bible Christianity. It looks like our version of it. Yeah, I wrote a... you know, I wrote a song called Power Play uh, before talking about that very same thing. It's a story of a man uh, that's finally getting to the point where he just had to look up and say, God, I tried everything. Uh, you know, I want to try you now. You know, I want. Can you turn my life, turn my life around? And uh, uh, it's a it's a gospel hip hop song, but uh, it's, uh, that's what that's probably one of the people's favorites that I've, I've, we've ever done. But uh, power play. Uh, just a guy. I just I just need your power play right now. I've done everything, and everything has uh, failed me. You know. Yeah, you know, there's only there's only one thing that I would take issue in that statement, though. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as trying Jesus. We right. We make our whole life on him. It's a, and you know that. I know, I know what you know that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we got to go in there and say, you know, Jesus, here's my issues, man. Like, here's what's going on with me. And accept the fact that he doesn't want to keep us in those issues. That's he right. wants to deliver us. From those issues. That's Matthew right. Matthew 1 says, You will call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to keep you. You know, we use that term so lightly 
a bunch of sinners saved by grace. Like, wait a minute, dear. You know, Jesus came to save you from your sins. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be willing just falling into sin all the time. Let Jesus set you free. There's a lot out there that's so free, so free. And it's the power of God. When you really have faith, it's like, God, I I want you to take my drug out of the way. I want you to take the alcohol out of the way. I want you to take the feeling of like one of the biggest problems in America right now is pornography addiction. You know, take that away from me, Lord. Take it. I can't. I, just take it, you know. Yeah, you can get therapy and quit this stuff, but man, when God takes something, it's wrong. Right. It is wrong. It's awesome. And, uh, yeah, when you yeah, fully give it over to him, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting, man. It's, uh, it's exciting. It's one thing, um, absolutely for sure, on the, on the subject of, of demonology. You know, there, there's promises in the Bible. Um, we live by those promises, man. We're not going to fall. One of those promises, I'm telling you, I'm not First John, chapter 5, verse 18, it says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Mm -hmm. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, mm. and the wicked one does not touch him. Mm. I mean, if you're, if you're living a life before God that is pleasing and is pure, and you're, you know, as far as you know, staying away from things that do not please the Lord, he's going to protect you from the evil world. He's gonna, I, I've seen person after person get delivered from demonic oppression, what they thought were haunted houses, what they thought were ghosts, what they thought were all kinds of things. And the moment they get saved, they don't talk about that stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, you, know, you ask them about it about a month later, it's like, you know, I ain't thought about it, but I ain't had nothing like that going on. Why is that? Because <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, that scripture has become real in their life. You know, they they dead to sin, so the devil is pleased. You know, God mm -hmm. starts protecting them, calls a legion of angels in there to help. You know, it's uh, it's pretty pretty amazing, man. Pretty amazing life. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to see all kinds of weird stuff that I got saved. You know, it just seemed to follow me around. And after that, it was just like. I don't even, I mean, it's not even a thought anymore. I just don't, you know, it's just not around and don't happen. You know, it's just not there. The only difference is genius. Mm. That's it. Blood of Christ. You know, what else? What are your thoughts on, um, on cryptids? Do you believe, do you, do you believe there's any cryptids out there? Like, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about Bigfoot, we talk about, you know, and I think, uh, you're, Kentucky has a lot of wilderness, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time in it, too. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love to hike. I love to get out, fish, hike. I'm, a, I'm an outdoors person. I like to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some pictures of you with, uh, I've seen you, you had a pretty big fish on one of your pictures there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, that's probably, um, yeah, I, I like this. I like to get out. I like to do stuff. I, we just got back from vacation. I went fishing down there in Georgia. Caught a shark. That's probably what she saw there. You caught a shark? But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I like to get out in the outdoors. It's, uh, that's, I mean, you live in eastern Kentucky. And I was one of these days, really, you come down here and stay with us, man. You get a free vacation. You come stay at the house. And you'll see some of this beautiful country around here. It's really... It is really a pretty place down here. And, uh, okay. Sounds as good. As, uh, you know, as far, it's a very superstitious place, too. It, 
traditions around here. A lot of people believe in ghosts. A lot of people believe in Bigfoot. A lot of people believe in, you know, strange things. And, you know, it's, uh, but no, I don't, I don't really give much light to it. I mean, I really don't. I think, um, I think one of the, I think one of Satan's greatest tricks mm-hmm. is, um, he likes to get us focused on things that really don't matter a lot in the long run. You know, like for instance, Bigfoot, and some of the time people spend on Bigfoot, yeah. what happens when you find Bigfoot, okay? Bigfoot, you found him, okay, let's move on. <laughs> you know, in the meantime, like how much time have you, have you spent on Bigfoot? You know, it's, it's like in the, and this is the way I look at life in general. Um, and like, you know, and I'm not ashamed of this, is that, you know, I read a book one time about uh, that Leonard Ravenhill character, and he said in that book, 84 people a minute dying on the hill. And I'm sitting there thinking, boy, it really started making me a time manager. Thinking <laughs> <laughs> like, how often am I playing video games? How often am I watching sporting events? How, not to say those things are simple. But it's just like, at some point I had to be like, okay, I'm called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I don't really put a lot of thought in that UFO, Bigfoot, and things like that. One thing that I have put some thought into has been hauntings and uh, ghosts, uh-huh. you know, around this area. Because um, the house that I grew up in was supposedly haunted. Okay. Uh, and uh, I come to find out, <laughs> Especially after I, you know, became a Christian and the Bible became my only source of truth, especially concerning spiritual matters, you know, I had to realize there's no such thing as ghosts. Ghosts are fabrication. There's, there's, there cannot be a human soul on this earth wandering around. Right. We can base that off off of one major scripture for that would be Hebrews chapter nine verse twenty-seven. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Mm-hmm. You see, whenever a person dies, their soul, in the Christian worldview, they go one of two places. They either go to heaven or hell. Um, there's no room for them. You know, maybe in Roman Catholicism, there's purgatory and things, um, and I don't fully understand if purgatory, I don't think purgatory would be something on this earth, even if that was true. But the human soul departs from this earth. It's no longer a part of this earth. It goes from judgment. So how could there be, how could you get a visitation from your grandfather? How could you get a visitation from a deceased relative or a child that died in the house or something like that? But when you take that scripture and compare it to, um, you know, Paul was writing his uh, protege, Timothy, and about you know, about spiritual matters and um, he said to Timothy and I believe it's in Second Timothy in Second Timothy he said uh, for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind fear basically comes from not being able to explain the unknown sometimes right. and so I've met child after child and adult after adult that claims that their house is haunted in our area here. Um, I've dealt with that a lot. Um, I've dealt with, you know, and, and all it really takes is somebody going down there and rebuking the devil in the name of Jesus with everything you've got, you know, just in pure faith. All of a sudden their house isn't haunted anymore. It never fails. Hmm. Unless they, you know, unless they've got some sort of 
I recently did a show. Uh, I sent you that link too, uh, while I was talking about um, uh, paranormal and fear. No, uh, yeah, fear versus the paranormal and, and the power of your of your mind. Sometimes it's just, it's just your mind got you going, and you think that it's um, it's, it's it's something when it's uh, it's really not. It's your mind playing tricks on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, people getting sick and and things. No, I mean, I think the 
you know, if you live a life that doesn't fear and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, it is, uh, it, when you do sense that, when you walk onto a piece of property where somebody's experiencing something, sometimes I walk onto pieces of property and people call me and I'm like, there's, I just don't sense anything going on here. Not to say there isn't something now, I just didn't sense anything. But sometimes you can really feel it. It's like, wow, there's something around here. You know, oh, yeah. Going on. Most definitely. And, uh, and so, you have to reconcile first for me, you know, the truth is what sets us free. So, it's like, well, if this is an angel, it's a good thing. But an angel's not going to bring fear, it's going to bring encouragement, it's going to bring joy. Uh, it's got to be demonic. You know, it's got to go. Yeah, I work, I work in a place where there's a lot of activity going on. Um, so, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah to... uh, I think that's an area that people ought to be... Tra- I've actually preached a sermon on that before. Right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and it shocked a couple of people in our congregation. It was like, well, I just figured ghosts were, you know, my uncle was coming back to check on me around the birthday or something. Mm. Sure not, man. You're, you're actually uh, dealing with familiar spirit, and um, you know you're you're saying you're dealing with familiar spirit, but you know what that is? It's basically it's nothing more than necromancy. It's nothing more than you know something the Bible outlawed its ancestor worship, basically. You know when we say that, like you know I, my grandpa was taking care of me, and my you know my dad's looking down on me, or my mama's uh, you know she's must be praying a prayer in heaven for me. It's like, why are we worried about that? We've got Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ in the right hand of the Father and they're seated for the saints. They don't need anybody else praying for us. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's sad. We really shortchanged Jesus, man, for the sake of our own ideas sometimes, you know. All right, well, we're about to wrap it up with you. Um, well, that's you, uh, I know you just said you were outdoorsman. Uh, How's your golf game? My golf game? <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't know. I haven't played around the golf in about oh, a couple of years. I don't know. We were, went out to the driving range yesterday. You, you've been stalking my Facebook, ain't you? <laughs> I, I, do, I, I do a little research uh, when, when I'm supposed to talk to somebody. I do a little research. <laughs> well, I, I actually, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Billy, was like... Uh, he was like, man, let's go to the driving range. And I'm like, man, I haven't done that in years. You know, so I actually taught my wife a little bit how to play golf yesterday. And, okay. And, uh, you know, it just, it was, we just out there hitting balls. But, you know, I was really surprised, man. I, I could still get around on one, and I was hitting pretty consistent drives over 270 and, and into the 280, 290 range. I was pretty happy oh. about that. And I, ain't, I ain't lost all my game, but I, I hate to to look like put a putter in my hand or something and try to write down on a scorecard. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be decent at golf when I was a kid. There's only sport I really took serious. But. So that's just, it is a relaxing game, right? It is. Yeah, just to get out with your family and some friends and, and hit balls around and have a good time. It, it does. You know, use your time to think about some stuff. And, okay. You know, if you already got your own clubs and things, you've already, uh, you already, uh, got over the, the hump and the expense of it to you know, <laughs> sit out there and put some golf ball on driving range pretty cheap way to spend the afternoon. Oh, you know? sounds fun. Yeah. 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 
You play golf? Um, no, no. I, I always wanted to learn. So if I I come out there to Kentucky, I like to you know go out there on the golf range and you know, just experience it. You know. Sure, man. I got West Nine Andy clubs. We'll go. <laughs> 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 yeah, I did want to. I did want to uh, mention before we got off here, though. If anybody was interested in following uh, our church's ministry, okay. Anything, you could. Um, we got. We don't have a website yet, but you could uh, get us on Facebook. It's facebook.com/slash the Jackson Community Church. Jackson Community Church is already taken. We have to go with the Jackson Community Church. And uh, you can always add me on Facebook. Um, or just Bill Scott or get on the Lord's friend list. We're friends. You can find me on there. Okay. Or you can email me, uh, one man, one savior, at live.com. Or, uh, you know, just, just, you know, just want to get up with anybody out there listening in the church world or something they like you know wouldn't mind this guy coming and talking about this in their church talking about revival talking about all kinds of spiritual things I mean, we're, we're about that man we're kingdom people we just want to you know we're concerned about denominations all that we just get out and, and if people want to come talk and, and or speak on a certain subject or you know just demonology or any number of things you know okay. especially revival prayer and that stuff so that's something we're we're all about, man. We're just trying to spread the good news to all of them here in these last days. That's so. that that that's that's great. Uh, I'd like to thank you for you know for you know, being a guest on here. You know, on Qu- with Quest Nation. You know, uh, I really enjoy talking with you. Yeah, same here, man. It's been it's been fun. <laughs> it's been awesome. All right, Questers, uh, you've been locked in with. Uh, Pastor Bill Scott, I'm Roy Washington. God bless. I'd like to thank Pastor Bill Scott for coming on today and talking with us. Very enlightening conversation. Enjoy talking with him. And uh, we look forward to having him on again in the future. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> like I said, thank you. Thanks to everyone for supporting Quest. Uh, we well over 100 Uh even though this is 107, we've done more than that. But just uh, thank you, everyone who has supported us. And, uh, you know, uh, we look forward to continuing doing what we do. We're going to close it out. Another Fred Hammond cut. Please don't pass me by. <laughs> I'm Roy Washington. This has been The Quest, and you are locked in. God bless.
Thank you, Lord. Jesus.